Amen. Well, good morning, LCM. I don't get to tell you this all the time. But I love my church, man. Golly. Today is December 15th, 2019. The title of today's sermon is Holiday Weight Gain. Just going just gonna to address it. Over the past few weeks, we have had a beautiful prog- progression of services, starting with your bittersweet life now just a couple of weeks ago. We learned that difficulties in life, those bitter times of adversity and trial are working out for us a sweet inheritance of God's presence. Pastor Matt then taught us about daily disciplines, our daily diet that we must engage in. Then the Lord encouraged us with the overcoming attitude that we are to be moving mountains. That it might just be a molehill in front of you, you should just step over it, and even if it is a real mountain, you just look at it and tell it to cast itself into the sea. On Wednesday, we learned how to handle a giant problem. To how to yarash is the Hebrew word, to dispossess, to inherit that which God has given us. You know, the kind of problems that are over nine feet tall and 500 pounds. You know, those, those big giant problems. Speaking of problems, we're in the midst of the holiday season. Tonight, for instance, Miss Pat is going to bring her most fabulous dishes that we will all be elbowing each other to try to get a taste of. Miss Joe is going to be cooking something fit for the kings of the earth. But don't you worry, all those of you dieters in the room, you carnivores and trim healthy moms and keto and low carb and OMAD and whatever else, gluten-free, vegan, whatever you are. I can assure you there's going to be enough keto and low-carb desserts here to subsidize the Swerve brand of sugar for the next three months. We're going to get it. With tonight's festivities and our ongoing fellowship and an overall season of the year here, meaning meaning between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we have a uh, weighty matter that we need to discuss. Studies show that the average American gains between one and six pounds during this time of the year. And by gaining, I mean like it gains and it doesn't go away. I mean like it kind of permanently stays with you. Which, uh, which uh, some of that weight of being a permanent addition. Other studies have shown that only 12%, one out of every eight people, avoids gaining weight during this time of year. Now, where's Tom? Before I get Tom too riled up talking about weight here today. Before I get all, before you guys get worried that I'm going to be insulting your girlish figures or your masculine physiques. We're going to be talking about a different type of weight gain that we need to get today. The right kind of weight gain. Somebody say right kind. kind. You know, when you're young, uh, you're trying to gain weight. You're looking how to add supplements to your diet. You're trying to work out and get bigger. You're trying to gain weight so that that it's all muscle. You're trying to figure out how to gain weight. And then the rest of your life, you're trying to figure out how to lose it. See, what I'm going to talk to you today about is not something that we dug up, not something that we found in a file somewhere. It's something that the Lord has been dealing with me about for the last eight or nine days. I was trying to get ready for the sermon last Sunday on moving mountains, and this is what was penetrating my heart. That was difficult for me to think on one thing, and the Lord is like, yes, I know, but I want you to start thinking about this. Yes, sir, I have trouble thinking of two things at once. He said, I don't care. I'm telling you what I want you to think about. Yes, sir. See, when you go to a church, it is a kindness that you go to a church that demands change of you. It is a kindness because the change is the encouragement that you need. 
I hope today is encouraging to you in every way, but I also hope it brings change about in your life. Let's turn to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. This is going to be the, the outline, the basis of our sermon today is in Malachi. We'll go a lot of different places. We will hit every major section of the Word of God multiple times today. Somebody say multiple times. I promise we got it all the way through from Genesis to Revelation. But what we're going to stay at, the focus is in Malachi chapter 2. And it says this. Are you there? Come on, somebody say weight gain when you're there. All right. And now, this admonition is for you, O priests. Hey, it's starting off by saying, hey, by the way, I'm talking to you. Somebody saying, pastor's talking to me. And now... This admonition is for you. It's not for somebody else. It's not for someplace else. When I read this, can you imagine as a pastor, I went, oh, there's no way in my whole life that I can even ignore this verse, not even a little bit. But see, you're not any different than me, though. See, the word of God and Peter tells us that you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that are belonging to God. He is raising up an entire nation full of priests, and you and I are both a part of it. So if you want to make this about me, you're welcome to because it absolutely applies to me. But the truth is, is it will do you better to apply this to your heart today. Now, somebody say now. now. This admonition is for you, O LCM, O priest and priestesses of LCM. Verse 2, if you do not listen, uh-oh, and if you do not set your hearts to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty. If you don't listen... And you don't set your hearts to honor the name of the Lord. The word here in the Hebrew is Shema. It doesn't mean just did you did your auditory senses work? Did you hear me what I was saying? No, it's listening where you have the purpose of doing everything that's told to you. Anybody ever heard something, but you really weren't listening? I mean, I won't ask the husbands and wives in the room about this principle. I won't ask the employees and employers in the room to go, yes, someone, I was staring directly at them. They were talking. I heard what they said, but I didn't listen to a word. See, it's not just good enough for you to be here and have your ears functioning. There's something about the heart that's being inclined to obey exactly what is being told to you from the Word of God. What has God told you lately? Then it's important that you listen to what He's saying. Remember verse 1? And now, this admonition is for you. If you don't set your heart, if you don't listen and do not set your heart to honor my name, man, the phrase to set your heart to honor my name wrecked me immediately the other day when I read this. It talks about Jesus in the New Testament setting his face like flint to go do the work that God has, to go towards Jerusalem, to go towards the crucifixion. He had to set himself resolutely. In some of your translations in your Bibles, it may say, take to heart. What do you take? You've got to take to heart to honor my name today. What are you taking in, church? What is your daily caloric intake? Your daily diet? Trying to find that right kind of weight gain. See, these are the daily disciplines that we've learned about recently. Can you put that slide up on the screen for me? The daily disciplines. What kind of intake do you have? Are you having a daily discipline of being, of finding words from His very presence? Being daily led by His Spirit. Daily developing the dependents and the disciples in your household. Daily agreement between the Word and the Spirit. Man, that's one of my favorite ones on here. 
It's not just enough to get the word or to get the spirit. We're saying you got to get both. Anybody ever used the wrong scripture and applied it in the wrong place at the wrong time? But I, but I had the word. I did the word. No, you did it wrongly because it wasn't in agreement with what the spirit is saying. How do I know if I'm supposed to apply severe discipline or apply mercy? Which surely can't be how you feel about it. There's got to be an application of the word and of the spirit. I can assure you every mistake that I've ever made in leadership is because I did not either get the word right or I did not get the spirit right or I got them both wrong. Every time I fail as a leader, it is because of this. Are you getting your daily offering, your right sacrifices? Now that you have the word and the spirit, are you doing or not doing exactly what the Lord has instructed you? Do you, are you daily interceding for the salvation of others? Are you daily repenting? Are you just waiting to get to church and have a prophecy in tongues, an unscheduled moving of the spirit live and on the spot for us for you to come down to during a worship time time or after a service where you kind of know that that's when I'm supposed to go repent? It should be a daily practice that you have. This is not a sign of weakness. This is a sign that you are taking in the right kind of spiritual calories here. That you're adding the right kind of weight gain. What have you set yourself toward today, church? See, the Bible instructs us here, you are supposed to set your heart to honor the name of the Lord. Can you put up that next slide for me? You are supposed to set your heart to honor. The word honor there is kavod. It's the weightiness of God's presence. To honor, glory, in great quantity, in great multitude, a wealth, a reputation of majesty, of splendor. Kavod refers to the great physical weight or quantity of a thing. Let me help you with a couple of, we're going to rattle off some scriptures together. We're just going to go through, it's it's just going to happen to be law, prophet, writing. But we're going to go through them with the intent of helping you to make sure that you understand what honor and kavod means. Exodus 12, 20. We're just going to put these up on the screen. You can stay there in Malachi or you can turn with us, but I'm not going to wait for you. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. See, the right kind of weight is you're supposed to give honor. You're supposed to give a weightiness to what your parents say. That is one of the things that are included in the Ten Commandments. God's very love letters to His people to say, you need to learn how to honor other people. You need to put the right kind of weight on what they're saying. See, now when you become an adult, this becomes an interesting thing. becomes an interesting thing for us to figure out what this looks like that you would honor. Now as an adult, I honor my parents by giving extra weight to what they tell me to do. But it would be kind of silly for me my mom doesn't like that I'm going to go on a mission trip, it's kind of silly for me not to go on the mission trip at this point. That would actually not be the right kind of honor. That's some weird thing that we have here. But the right kind of honor puts extra weight on what our parents say. Look at Exodus 28.1. Have Aaron, your brother, brought to you from among the Israelites along with his sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, so that they may serve me as priests. Make sacred garments for your brother, Aaron, to give him dignity and honor. Come on, the right kind of honor gives weight to the authorities in your life. It gives a weightiness to what they say. Isn't this why this is incredible? This is for the priests that they could have robes that would allow other people to give them honor. It's kind of like putting the man in uniform, right? Nowadays, if you see a military man, 
If you see a person in, in, a, in, a, in police gear, you should, there's supposed to be an honor and a weightiness that you would apply to them because of the position that they hold as signified by what they're wearing. Numbers chapter 20 and verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. Uh Uh-oh. You've got to honor your parents. You've got to honor the authority. Let's talk about when we don't honor what that means. See, the right kind of weight. Come on, husbands and wives. Let's talk to you for just a second. I can assure you if there's a shalom problem in your home, I can assure you it's because you have a differing understanding of the weightiness of what's going on in the moment. A husband asks a wife to do something. Hey, would you do this? The wife says, absolutely, I'll get to it. I have just now, because I love my husband, I have added what he's asked to the list somewhere near the bottom. So that after I get my task done, I will get around to what my husband has just said is important because I'm a good wife. There's a differing amount of weight. And my wife's not in here and I wish she was because she's in the back serving with the kids because I would want you to see her response to this. When we have an argument, when we have a disagreement, it's because we haven't agreed on an honor factor. Hey, babe, I need you to do this for me. Absolutely, hon. I love you. You're my husband. I want to be a godly wife. I want to do exactly what you say. I'll get to it after these 14 things. Okay. So I need you to have a different level of honor for me in this moment. See, what you said is this is another task. What I'm asking you to do is put the same weight on it that I'm putting on it. I wouldn't have stopped you. If this was light enough to be done later, I would have just asked you later. How about the wife that says, oh, man, I'm going to honor my husband. I'm going to help my husband out. I'm going to help him out. And I know that he said this, but let me offer him 17 other options on what he really, really meant when he asked me to do this. I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help. I mean, maybe he hadn't thought about it. I'm just trying to be a good help. I'm just offering the options. What, ha- what you've done in that moment is you've not applied the right amount of honor and weight to what your husband has asked you to do. I'm kind of picking on the ladies a little bit. That, that's the easy one, right? That's the easy one. Hey, husbands, what about you? What, what about you? When the Lord's asking you to do something and you're focusing and you go immediately look to see how much you have in your bank account, whether you can accomplish what the Lord just said. I mean, I know what you just said is important. I mean, I got it. You're the God of all creation. I will honor you with my whole life. Hang on. Let me just see if I got the resources for that. The truth is, is some of us in here, it's not that we're overly um, authoritative in our own homes. Is that the Lord is actually wanting us to feel and take importance. No, you must get your children in the right order. No, you must get your marriage in the right order. No, you must. But you get afraid that you're going to have an argument with your wife. So you allow your cowardice to dishonor God by not putting the same weight on it that he put. See, this kind of word has been wrecking me the last week or so. Because it's not something... When you see here in numbers, it's because you did not trust in me enough to honor me. You realize what this is, right? 
This is Moses looking at the promised land, but not following what God had said. He struck a rock instead of speaking to the rock. But the time before, I was supposed to strike the rock. That's right. That's because that's what I told you to do then. And you decided that a weight needed to be in a different place. You didn't take in the right kind of weight gain here. You didn't let it sit on you. Boy, isn't that the problem with most of us? We don't want the weight of God's punishment on us. We want to squirm our way out and feel better about it immediately. If you're a parent and you cannot let the weight of discipline sit on your child, you will never raise a godly child. But they feel bad. But what if I accuse them of something that they didn't do? That is not the worst thing to happen to them. Did you do this? (laughs) When I was... When our kids were younger, and God bless my kids because when they're my kids, all of their weaknesses get thrown out in the public, right? When, we were, when they were little, Gabriel would waylay, slap, abuse Olivia. It's true. And what he would say was, I'd come up to him, Daddy, uh, Olivia, Daddy, he hit me. Son, you hit her. Dad, I did not hit her. I did not. How could you say that, Dad? Your sister is saying that you hit her. Then you hit her. I did not. I mean, he would get upset. And then I would realize that my son was very, very literal. Did you touch her? Oh, yeah. How did you touch her? Oh, I slapped the fire out of her. Literal, technical, the right word is sinful. That's how he could stand there and not even feel like he was lying about it. I did not hit her with a closed fist, dad. I kicked her with the, you know, you're like, see, if you're working on technicalities in your relationship with the Lord, it's because you don't trust him enough to actually lead you well. No, I'm technically doing the will of the Lord. I mean, I know down in my heart that I'm not doing it with all that I have. I mean, I know that I'm really not trusting Him, but I'm saying the right things, aren't I? No, see, that doesn't count because you have to honor the Lord by trusting Him to do exactly what He says. Somebody say exactly. Exactly. Close is not good enough. This is not a game of horseshoes or hand grenades. You actually have to do exactly what the Lord is saying. You have to do it exactly in the manner with the right attitude that he's telling you to do it. Or you have not yet set your heart to honor the Lord. For those of you that I've met with this week. My prayer before every time I met with anybody in this church this week was, Lord. I want to set my heart to honor you. All I want to do is say exactly what you want me to say. What it did this week for me was bring me and drive me towards such a dependency to hear from him and do only what he told me to do. But 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 that's not enough. I didn't give them enough of a spiritual blessing there. Do what I told you to do. Correct them. And yes, sir, just do what I told you to do. Trusting in him is showing that I can honor in first Samuel two verses eight. Verse 8, it says, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. When you show the Lord honor, 
he begins to set you in a place of honor. Psalm 84, verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those whose walk is blameless. See, when you're trusting in Him, you're saying, I know that if I do this right, no matter how much my reputation suffers, no matter how much I get penalized, no matter what happens, if I really truly give glory to God, He will not withhold any good thing from me. Church, this is not just only the things that you need. He's saying any good thing, any blessing that I might give you, you're not, I'm not going to withhold any of it if your walk is blameless and you're actually just trusting me enough to honor me. Matthew 15, 8 says this, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Let me first tell you how this hit me. Lord, I have the privilege of preaching and teaching a lot in this church. When it's not an official meeting, it's people sitting around a coffee table. When it's not sitting around a coffee table, you're in my office with me. Lord, I don't want to be a kind of man who honors you only with my lips. But my heart is so far from honoring you. I don't have the same weight on the things that you want to have weighty. I have my own importance, my own priorities. <laughs> Another thing that my wife and I do, and I'm just honest with you, is sometimes my wife will be pushing to get something. She'll be um, uh, gently reminding me. So much gentle reminding that some may even call it nagging. And when I realize that that pressure is there, I'll just look at her and I say, you need to listen. I don't have the same priorities that you have. I hear you. I have fully acknowledged you. I completely understand what you're saying. Y'all tell I've been a husband for a while? You just don't understand. No, I understand completely. It's not a lack of understanding. It's that I have a different priority list here, and I'm putting weight somewhere that you are not. So you need to adjust what you think is important and find what I think is important. That's all you need to do. Man, I have such a godly wife. She responds so well. She really does. That's an amazing thing. At least that's just Christy, right? At least there's no one else in the room. See, because we can be a people who get used to honoring the Lord with our lips. Saying that we're going to honor our husbands. Say that we're going to honor the Lord. Children saying they're going to honor their parents. But having hearts that are different than that. By the way, um, when Gabriel was slapping, open-handedly crushing his sister, but not hitting her. This is the next thing that he would say. Dad, I did not hurt her. You hit her, and you're telling me that you did not hurt her. There's a little problem with that, son. You don't get to determine whether you hurt her or not. She's saying that it hurt. There's a red mark on her arm. I'm going to believe her. Ah! See, it's nice when my son is six or he's seven and we're working these things with the belt of instruction on his rear end that, that, that corrects these things. It's another thing for us to try to determine what we think will honor the Lord. You do not get to determine what honors the Lord. You know who gets to determine that? He does. He, he is the one that determines it. We're not honoring the Lord by doing our own thing. 
That's not the right kind of weight. We don't honor the Lord by listening less to what he's saying. No, I got it. No, I know you said just one little part, but I've got the whole plan now, Lord. Thank you. You got the initiation. I got all the rest of it handled. That's not the right kind of weight. We don't honor the Lord by only speaking better. My God, how many of us have worked so hard to speak better instead of just being a better person? Let me, let me say that nice, more, more nicely. Let me, let me say it correctly to you. Yeah, the problem must have been how I said it. No, the problem was probably that your lips were right, but your heart was wrong. Oh, they look so nice. Yeah, maybe you're masking your own selfishness with pleasant words. Maybe you're masking your own idolatry with things that are just really, really wicked in your heart with things that sound very pleasant to the outside. One of the things, I'm sorry to be picking on you so much today, son. One of the things that would be the best discipline that I could apply to Gabe was not letting him talk to me when discipline was applied. But dad, let me, I want you to be quiet. Do not say a word because when you say a word, you think you're getting away with it. So I just want you to be quiet. That would cause a visceral response from him. How unjust does it feel for you to just keep your mouth closed? Might be a sign that your lips are honoring, but your heart isn't. It's not by honoring the Lord by speaking better. That's not the right kind of way. We have to become better. We have to actually set our hearts to honor him. Romans 2, 7 says, To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. Because our God does not show favoritism. If you do this right, his blessings rest upon you. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him. And worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you've created all things. And by your will they were created and have their being. They don't just exist, but they live because your presence is there. That's the right kind of weight that we're trying to get to today. Let's go back to Malachi chapter 2. And let's look at verse 2 again. If you do not listen... And if you do not set your hearts to honor my name, if we stop now, we're not going to. But if we stop now, the idea of you listening to the Lord and setting your heart resolutely to do and to honor him above all else will change your life because it's changed mine this last week. Pastor, are you, are you having some secret confession here? No, I'm saying that, that, the Lord, that the word of the Lord did exactly in me what it's supposed to do in me. It cut me. It challenged me. It rebuked me. It's trying to train me in righteousness. I am now trying my best to do this with you this morning. If you don't set your heart, says the Lord, I will send a curse upon you. Oh, Lord says he's going to send a curse upon you. And I will curse your blessings. What? I will... Send a curse on you. And then the things that were already good, I'm then going to curse those things too. Man, at least that's never happened to any of us in this room, right? It's not just a curse. Think about Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28.1 says, If you fully obey, if you shema, shema, 
the Lord your God and carefully follow you shamar all his commands I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. This is the passage that people, when I grew up in church, this is the passage they would go to, but I actually never knew that it was for the nation of Israel first and for those who had set themselves to honor the Lord like this. Hey, hon, how you doing? I've been talking about what a good wife you are, so. See, this is the passage that we got to, and they would say, man, you're going to be blessed in the city. You're going to be blessed in the country. The fruit of the womb will be blessed. Your young of your livestock will be blessed. Your cows will be blessed. The, the lambs will be blessed. You will have baskets and, and a kneading trough for the bread. You will be blessed as you come in. You will be blessed as you go out. When your enemy attacks you, they will flee in seven directions. Your barns will be blessed. Everything you put your hand to will be blessed. Ah, yes! Of course, it all starts from inclining your ear to the Lord and honoring His name. Verse 15 says this. However, somebody say however. However. If you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully set your heart to follow His commands, His decrees, then all these curses are going to happen. And you know what it does in Deuteronomy 28? It goes through the exact same list and says, yep, I'm going to curse you in the city. I'm going to curse you in the country. I'm going to curse the fruit of your womb and your crops and your livestock and, your, and coming in and going out. When you get attacked, you're going to flee in seven directions. Everything you put your hand to, instead of it being blessed, is going to be cursed. <laughs> That's an incredible... Do you think God is taking this ser- seriously or not? He's already started off this and he's like, I have an admonition for you today. You better listen and honor me. Because if you don't, rah! Ooh! Curses, and then the good things that you had are going to start to spoil and sour. The things that you used to turn to for pleasure and enjoyment are not even going to do that for you anymore because I am standing in opposition to you. I will send a curse on you and back in Malachi and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I've already cursed them. Why? Because you haven't set your heart to honor me. How's your heart today, church? Not just in words, but in actual deeds. Verse 3, because of you, somebody, somebody look at your neighbor and say, it's your fault. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. Wow. If faithful behavior and faithful hearts can reach a thousand generations, then when you don't listen or don't set your heart to honor the Lord, that has to impact your generations as well. My gosh. Look at the next phrase. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices. This got serious really quickly. I thought the curses were the bad part. I thought that was really bad when I read this. And I was like, you're going to spread dung on my face. This is not a mud mask from a spa. (laughs) I'm so old. I thought of Back to the Future when... Biff slides into a truck. I'm going to spread on your face dung. Hey, by the way, this is the Lord speaking. There's something about this that makes us like it's it's a shocking. He doesn't just mean it figuratively, though. 
Because he wouldn't have said from your festival sacrifices. See, from the things that you're trying to give to the Lord. See, even what you're trying to give to the Lord is actually worth less than nothing to me. Wow. I <laughs> goes without saying, I do not want to have the Lord smear dung in my face. In a figurative way, what would that look like? The very glory of what you're supposed to be becomes so marred, putrid, stinky, awful. This is all that people see when they look at you. I mean, some of you wives, when your husband comes in from being an actual man, working hard, stinky and smelly, but look, he doesn't just say he's going to put it in there and you will be carried off with it. When you don't listen and don't honor the Lord the way that I'm trying to encourage us today, there is an embarrassment that's beyond embarrassment that comes upon you and he takes you away, leaving that there. It's not like you get to put on your your makeup. It's not like you get to take a shower before you get taken off. He's saying, this is the condition that I'm going to leave you in. Look at verse four. And you will know that I have sent you this admonition. Remember verse one? Now, this is an admonition for you, O priest. You will know that I sent you this admonition. Why? So that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. Why does God care about these things? Why does it matter to the people of LCM today, right here in this place? Why does it matter to you? Because the Lord is actually trying to keep His covenant with you. He wants you to understand the seriousness. He is adding weight in a certain area and saying, I need to add enough weight for you to know that I mean what I am talking about. Because if you don't shift, if you don't begin to listen better, and if you don't begin to honor me right, it will cause a separation, and I will not be able to keep my covenant with you. Oh, he's going to keep his covenant with LCM. He's going to keep his covenant with his people. But you won't get to be a part of what he keeps his covenant with. All the while saying of honoring him. God intends to keep his covenant. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 49. We're going to look at verse 5. In Malachi, it talks about Levi's covenant. Well, I know about a covenant that he made with David. I know about a covenant. What's his covenant with Levi? Because he's trying to keep it in Malachi, and that's why he's warning the people. He's warning them, you can't keep having the same wicked thoughts in your heart and say that you're honoring me. It doesn't happen that way. Genesis 49, verse 5. This is Jacob blessing his sons. And by the way, Levi doesn't even get his own unique blessing. It's combined with Simeon. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Let me not join their assembly. For they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they please. Wow, God even cares about injustice done to animals. Yikes. Cursed be their anger so fierce and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. Wow, thanks, Dad. That's a fantastic blessing to leave upon us. This is what Jacob or the man who we know is Israel, says to him. But something changed. That's not the covenant that God is keeping with him. Let's look in Exodus 32. 
Exodus 32. Verse 26. Exodus 32, 26 says this. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites, the sons of Levi, came and rallied to him. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side. Go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded. And that day about 3,000 of the people died. That's a slaughter. 3,000 people. You realize there's some battles in certain wars that didn't get to 3,000 people? This is an incredible statement. Look at verse 29. Then Moses said, You have been set apart to the Lord today, for you were against your own sons and brothers, and He's blessed you. The Lord began to make a covenant with him on that day because he decided to honor the Lord. His descendants decided to honor the Lord more than anything else. More than family ties, more than anything else they wanted to do. They just did what the Lord told them to do. Did, did you catch it though? When we were in Genesis, what was their problem? They were angry, violent men who carried a sword. It's almost like the things that are in you in an ungodly state. Those propensities that you have when you can rightly listen to the Lord and honor His name. He could even take that wickedness and turn it into something that He can bless. What was violence at one point became honor when it was rightly directed. That is a big important part for us to get. Well, I... You have a gentle demeanor. Amen. Maybe God wants to use that to help you shepherd people. But in its unregenerated state, you're just weak and cowardly. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, with you listening and honoring His name, you will become not weak. You will become so strong, but able to help those who are weak. You like to make war? Good, because the kingdom of God needs that. It's the forceful men that take it. But you can't keep doing it in your own strength. You can't keep doing it with your own words. You can't keep doing it in a way and just says, that's just how I am. I'd rather be this way than another way. Yeah, that's what everybody thinks. But when it's given to honor of the Lord, it becomes something that is praiseworthy and worthy of an actual covenant with the Lord. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 33. We've got to learn to apply the right kind of weight to what God is saying in our life. That is honoring Him. That is glorifying Him. That is moving in His heart rightly. Deuteronomy 33 verse 8 says this. So we saw in Genesis that it was Jacob's blessings. We saw in Exodus that Moses was dealing with these men and he saw, he saw what they did and how they honored the Lord. In Deuteronomy 33, this is Moses blessing Levi. About Levi, he said, your Thummim and Urim belong to the man you favored. You tested him at Massa. You contended with him at the waters of Meribah. He said of his father and mother, I have no regard for them. He did not recognize his brothers or acknowledge his own children. Wow. Wow. Could you be like Hannah and give your child into the service of the Lord from the time after they're weaned forward? Can you be like the Levites and said, it doesn't matter our natural blood. It matters what God has said. 
He didn't acknowledge even his own children, but he watched over your word and guarded your covenant. See, that's what it looked like when Levi honored the Lord. He said, you've guarded my word. You fought for it. You were willing to do anything for it. And you guarded the covenant of God that I made with you. You want something to happen in your life? You want a a, a different kind of weightiness to what you say? A different kind of weightiness to what you put your hand to? You begin to honor the Lord. You begin to watch over His Word. You begin to guard that covenant above all else. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you feel. You've got to guard this. It's not going to happen by you relaxing into it. It's going to go, God, what do you think? God, tell me what I'm supposed to do now. Okay, five minutes later. Okay, tell me what I'm supposed to do now. Okay, what about the next? Tell me what I'm supposed to do now. That kind of heart towards it moves the Lord to be willing to keep a covenant in perpetuity forever through the generations. He teaches your precepts to Jacob and your law to Israel. He offers incense before you and whole burnt offerings on your altar. Bless all his skills, O Lord. Man, I love this prayer. Moses saying, man, bless everything. That kind of guy is the kind of guy that you can pray that everything he puts his hands to get, gets blessed. That should not be a generic prayer. If you're not following the Lord wholeheartedly, I pray that you're not successful. Do you know why? Because if you are, you may think you're doing it rightly. I hope you get the fruit of your labors. Why? So that you might turn, listen to Him and honor Him rightly and that you can be blessed by Him. Bless all His skills, Lord. Be pleased with the work of His hands. Strike down those who rise against Him his foes until they rise no more. This is the 2011 NIV. Boo. They did a bad job here. It says smite the loins of those who rise up against you. In some of your translations, it may try to also soften it by saying smite the hips and thighs. What he is literally saying. I'm connecting this. I'm not trying to be common. I'm trying to connect points for you in a way that you should and must get. This is the same God who in our other passages talking about smearing dung on your face. This same God is saying, I will strike and smite the loins of those who rise up against you. I'm going to curb stomp their private parts. I'm feeling uncomfortable. Makes me feel funny to say that. He says he's going to smite the loins of those who rise up against him. When you rightly honor the Lord, this is how he feels about those who do not do this. He's saying when you rightly listen and, and, and honor and write, add the right weight to what God is saying in your life. He's saying, I will curb stomp the private parts of your enemies. Why? Until <laughs> his foes rise no more. Literally and figuratively here. It matters to him about the generations of those who will do this right. He will protect your generations and eliminate the generations of the enemy 
Because they don't honor him. God is serious about this. This is my point that I'm trying to get across to you using scripture. The dung on your face or the curb stomping of your privates is kind of a serious thing to him. As I'm reading through this this week, I'm like, golly, Lord, you are so serious about this. Yeah, duh, it's, it's all the way through the word. I started to get a little bit. Do you understand if someone is going to say that to you, I'm going to strike the loins of your enemy? Do you understand what it's trying to do inside of you? He's trying to move you to have the same weight of what he's saying on the inside of you. Do you hear so much of the word here at this church that it's lost its weightiness? Do you get a prophecy and you can't remember it 10 days from now? Do you get a teaching and you feel like it moved you? You feel like it was the perfect word of God, perfect word in a perfect season, and now you can't remember what it was? And if you can't remember it, you're surely not doing it. Do you have the right weight in your heart from what God speaks to you? Do you walk into his presence and say, I better not do this incorrectly because I see how you treat your enemies and I don't want to be counted as an enemy. I want to put the weight where you put it, Lord. I want to put the emphasis where you put it, Lord. Doesn't this just blow up your idea that you're just going to kind of go around feeling what you're supposed to do? Deciding on your own? If this is how he feels... I want to add the right kind of weight. If he thinks it's serious, then I must think it's serious. I should have got a better amen there. If God thinks it's serious, you and I must think it's serious. Verse 5 in Malachi 2. My covenant was with him. A covenant of life and peace. Somebody say life and peace. My covenant was with him. A covenant of life and peace. You know what that reminded me of? It immediately reminded me of Romans 8, 6. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit of God is life and peace. Man, I'm sure that Paul was thinking back to Malachi and saying, man, if you honor the Lord rightly, if you do this, my covenant was with you. A covenant of life and peace. What is he making a covenant with with the descendants of Levi about? Being controlled by the Spirit. The Newer Testament gives it a, a, a revelation that we didn't see in the older, but we know that to have a covenant of, of life and peace with the Lord is to be controlled by His Spirit. Because His Spirit will always put the emphasis in the right place. He will put the, the weightiness of what He's saying to you in the right place. Well, the Lord told me this and He told me this. Which one am I supposed to do? I don't know. Where's the weight of what He's saying to you right now? This is a complex situation. If I do this right, if I do this one way, it might harm this person. If I do it this way, it might harm this person. Then where is the weight of the Lord showing you to be? Come on, this is, I'm trying to get at something that has been breaking my heart. Lord, I can't just go through the day and tell people things. I can't high five Daniel because I love him and, and, I, and I, he's my friend. And then we just talk. And then I leave. I can't do that, Lord. What if you had something for him and I missed it? You're going to be a good God and you're going to get it to him. But what if I missed the opportunity? What if I didn't show proper honor and weightiness to what you're saying? What if I didn't do it right, Lord? I want to do it right. I want to please you. I want to have this kind of attitude that says the covenant with you, Lord, is the covenant of your spirit that is life and peace. 
back in, in, in Malachi. My covenant with, was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. Somebody say he gave it to us. He gave it to us. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. I looked at these words for reverence, revered, and awe. I was expecting them to be versions of the same word. And they're not. I talked to a a Jewish friend of mine to get him to help me to make sure that I'm understanding this rightly. The covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace. Who made the covenant? It was the Lord making the covenant. See, he not only gave you the covenant of life and peace, but you know what he also did? He put in him the fear. God put in, God will put in you the fear, the reverence that you need that you can then respond. And he revered me. See, what he has to do is he has to work something into you. We're not asking you to try harder. We're not asking you to set your will towards something. We're saying be so in love with him, so worried about the honor of his name that he will put his fear within you. He will put his honor within you. He will put a reverence within you. And then all you have to do is respond with what he has put on the inside of you. My God, we need this today. You need him to put more of a fear of the Lord inside of you. You need him to put something that says, I've got to honor him. I've got to reverence him. See, the problem with a topic like this is that I would hope that there's not anybody in the room that disagrees with me. If you do, then you're probably not even in the kingdom. But what I realized the other day was, Lord, I don't think about the honor of your name nearly enough. When was the last time that you prayed that you might honor his name? When was the last time that you, that you prayed inside of yourself? When was the last time you said, Lord, I want to revere you. I want to honor you. The name, your name and renown are the desire of my heart. Lord, I want to burn for the honor. I want to be zealous for your name. I want to be like Phinehas and be just as zealous as you are for your name. When was the last time that you honestly prayed that? When I asked myself that question this last week, I realized I couldn't remember. Maybe when I preached a sermon with Nick talking about being white hot and we use Finney Haas and zealousness as it, maybe I remember praying that for a few days after the sermon and then somehow it fleeted, it left. See, what God has to do is he has to put this inside of you and then you get to respond to him. See, it's still us having honor for his name. We're saying we need you to put this in us because I can't do it on my own. I've tried. I want to. I want to want you more, but I keep messing this up. I don't even have enough willpower to do this because if it was about willpower, I would have already done it. But it's not. He's saying, I gave them to him. I gave him this reverence and he revered me in response. And then he stood in awe of my name. Philippians 2, 12 says this, Therefore, dear my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. Somebody say, work it out. You've got to work out your salvation. You've got to have the right kind of weight gain here. You've got to get stronger. You've got to get some muscle mass on what you're doing. You've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Fear of what? 
The fear that God puts on the inside of you so that you'll act right, so that you'll do right, so that you'll be right. Fear and trembling. I'm going to get to the trembling in just a second. For it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. See, God has to put it inside of you, and then you respond to what he's doing. He puts it inside of you. You're asking, saying, God, I know that I can't do this, but when I listen, I know that this is your heart. I know that you take this as an important piece, that this is a weighty matter that I must deal with. I want to have the right kind of weight. I want to have the right kind of weight on this. How idolatrous to pursue our own thoughts, our own desires, our own directions. No matter how noble or honoring you think you are, if you're not listening and setting your heart to achieve the weightiness of his presence, you're missing what God has for you. Everybody turn to Psalm 135 with me. Psalm 135, verse 15. The idols of the nations are silver and gold made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but they cannot see, ears but they cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. This is what an idol is, right? This is, this is nothing unusual for us to think about. They have eyes but they don't see. Hands, but they can't do anything. Mouths, but they don't speak. Look at verse 18. Those who make idols will be like them. And so will all who trust in the idols. What does that mean? That means the areas in your life that are idolatrous, you become like the idol that you're worshiping. See, if you have an idol of athletics, then you know what happens? You become as ridiculous, as pompous, as body painted as anyone that you're idolizing. You start wearing clothing with the number and name of another human being who's playing a child's game. That's not idolatrous. Of course it's idolatrous. To have, to have their name. Look at any of these people. How many followers do they have on Twitter? Millions. You're telling me that that's not idolatrous? We worship you. I mean, we're for you. That's one thing if I put it in an athletic realm. But when you are weighed down and burdened with the wrong kind of thing, with fear, you know what it does? It makes you just like your fears. When you are burdened, weighed down in offense, you know what it makes you? It makes you just as offensive as the thing that you're offended at. When you are weighed down and burdened with your own idolatrous direction, it causes you to be as deaf and as blind and as impotent as that idol that you're chasing. Why is, why is the Lord not with me? Because you're being idolatrous. No, 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 pastor, I'm not trying to be idolatrous. But if you're not listening and setting your heart to honor what he does, you're going your own way. You're making your own path. You're saying that your fear is more weighty on you than your fear of the Lord. Then your, your fear of failure is a heavier burden on you than his very presence. See, you've got to have the right kind of weight, church. To be weighed down with burden, burdened with pride or despair. When that is more weighty on you than doing what He tells you to do, you're in trouble. 
Look at verse 19. O house of, Aaron, uh, o house of Israel, praise the Lord. O house of Aaron, praise the Lord. O house of Levi, praise the Lord. You who fear him. Do you see how it paired Levi? Israel, Aaron, Levi, which is kind of out of order, but okay. Because it's trying to pair Levi with those who fear him. See, it's not just those, it's not only the natural descendants, but all of those who carry the same weight. You who fear the Lord, you who honor the Lord, you who carry that weight rightly, praise him. Praise him. Trust in him. Because back to Malachi, it says that they, he put his reverence in him and he revered him as a response. And then he stood in awe of his name. By the way, that word for stood in awe is actually scared. We have left the idea of reverence and it just said that he stood scared and trembling before his name. Remember Philippians? So work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Our culture has gotten so far away from the fact that you should be trembling at the name of the Lord. That's what allows us to get away with sin as long as we do. We don't actually love him as much as we think we do. We honor him with our lips, but, but our hearts are far from it. Church, I want you to get to where you are falling in love with Jesus all over again. I want you to get your eyes up and start listening. Lord, I, I've got to listen better. You know, I, I was distracted. Anybody get frustrated when you're talking to somebody and they're on their phone? Mm-hmm, got it. And then they don't got it. Yeah, but I do that all the time to the Lord. I got it, Lord. My mind is busy. My heart is busy. I got it. I got what you said. I'm your boy. No. If the Lord of all creation walks in, how can you be so distracted? There are times you'll get corrected from a pastor. Be like, put your phone down. I'm not taking my time to just hang out with you. This is an important moment. Don't answer the phone. But, but it's ringing. I don't care. Because there's a weightiness to what I'm saying that will help liberate you. Just because you're distracted doesn't mean that I am. But my God, how many times have I done that to the Lord? He's trying to speak to me and I'm thinking about the next 17 things on my agenda. See, what we're trying to get to is the right. We've got to stand in awe of him. We've got to be afraid if we don't do this right. That's not scriptural. It's perfectly scriptural. Look at verse 6. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. How true is the instruction that's found on your lips? See, this is easy to see why I was crushed with this this last week. This is easy to see because I'm in front of you and I am required by God to have true instruction on my lips. You know what the words for true instruction there are? It's a faithful and truthful Torah. The word for instruction here translated as instruction in the NIV is Torah. Do you have the Torah? That it, are you being faithful to the words of God or not? That is the question. Well, I thought this. Well, I heard this. Well, I said this. I don't care. Are you being faithful to the word of God? Are you honoring? Are you revering? Is there a weightiness to what his words say? Deuteronomy 30, 14 says that's not supposed to be far off somewhere. It's supposed to be in your mouth. It doesn't say in your head. It doesn't just say in your heart. 
You hide the word in your heart because what is in the heart comes out of the mouth. It's got to come out of your mouth. Are you filling your mouth with the weightiness of his Torah? Are you practicing? Are you looking at it? Are you delving into it? Are you sharing it with your family? Are you sharing it to the Lord? Are you sharing it with your brothers and sisters? Anybody in this room want to have words that are weighty? Do y'all understand that phrase? Words that are weighty. I love our elders so much. When they speak, do you know what I do? I stop what I'm doing and I listen. Because their words are weighty. Charlie's words are weighty. I stop what I'm doing and I listen. Do you know that it is my great honor to stand when these men enter the room? You may not know that I do that. I'm telling you that I do that because I think you should. Well, that's, that's too much honor for a human being. Not if their words are weighty. I'm trying to say whatever I'm doing is not as important right now, even if I'm studying for a sermon. I will stand up. I will hug them. I will shake them. And then I, if I need to, I'll go right back to what I was doing. Do you stop what you're doing as the king of all kings comes in? Do you lay it all aside or are you still worried about what's going on? Are you still troubled and burdened or have you just only exclusively put your mind on him? If anyone speaks, he should be doing it as one speaking the very words of God. No more sound bites. No more tweetable phrases that sound good but lack weight. We understand that, don't we? Having a tweetable saying, but you know that the person saying it has no weight to what they're doing. No more of someone else's revelation without having had the revelation yourself. I'm not preaching to you because I have another man's revelation today. I'm not saying it can't be spurred on by someone else. I'm saying before it gets in your mouth, you make it your revelation. I wouldn't be where I am today if there weren't other men in my life that helped give me revelation all the time. I said this on Friday night at, at, the, at the discipleship class. I want to bring it up again. You guys have seen my life before you. I've been here for five and, a half, five and a half years with my family. You've seen me start from the back of the pack and run to somewhere up in the front. Of course there are other men's revelation that are there, but I don't speak it until I got it. This is what the Lord has been sharing with me. This is how he's been wrecking me this week. Come on, Wade. You say that you honor me, but how much are you really hungry for it? How, are you putting the same weight that I am? And my honest answer was, no, sir, I'm not. Please forgive me. Help me. I want to do it right now. It's been permeating my thoughts. It's been permeating my prayers. True instruction was in his mouth. And nothing false was found on his lips. Can we say that about you? Are you fudging? Are you shading? No, you're only presenting the shiny side of negative things that are happening in your life. Nothing false. You can shed the fickle weight of falsehood. those pounds of you lying the heaviness of being hollow hearted about what you're saying 
I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 59. I'm getting ready to close here. I was both crushed and encouraged simultaneously this last week. Crushed because I want to do it better. I've got to do it better. My wife is counting on me to do it better. My kids need me to do it better. You deserve me to do it better. And this is not me saying that I'm, I was walking in some type of known open sin. I'm saying I was running after God with what I knew, but then he showed me an area that I wasn't, areas that I wasn't showing the right weightiness to what he wanted. Isaiah 59 and verse 15. Let's look at the second half of 15. The Lord looked and was displeased because there was no justice. Somebody say no justice. justice. God cares about justice. Husband, God cares about how you treat your wives. Wives, God cares about how you follow your husbands. God cares about how you treat those that have no power, that are powerless compared to you. God cares about these things. Look at verse 16. He saw that there was no one. Somebody say no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm worked salvation for him. See, God can get this done without you and me. I promise he can get it done without us. If he wants to bring salvation to the world, he'll just do it. But what I want him to do is look at me and say, I want to be the one who has the same passion that you do. I want to not just mirror that. I want to feel the weightiness of what you feel, Lord. His own arm worked salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. Who is this again? This is the Lord. What is he suiting up with? Sounds like he's putting on priestly garments to me. On righteousness as a breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance. (laughs) Wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to what they have done, so he will repay wrath to his enemies. Yeah, he will. He will curb stomp some stuff. And retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their due. Wait a minute. I understand him curb stomping his enemies. Are you saying that this is the kind of God who even holds accountable the creation? He'll look at a mountain and say, you didn't have the same weightiness that I wanted you to have. He'll look at an island and say, you are out of line. Boom. A God who can take care of every drop of blood that's ever been spilled on the land that defamed the land. This is the God that we serve. This is the king that we must align our hearts with and say, God, it's your glory and nothing else. God, it's for your honor in everything that we do. Look at verse 19. From the west, men will fear the name of the Lord. And from the rising of the sun, which is where? In the east. So from the west, they will fear the name of the Lord. And from the east, from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. What is he saying? When he's done The members of his kingdom, whether west or east, are going to be those who fear and revere his name. That is his population. That is his kingdom. For he will come like a pent-up flood. 
that the breath of the Lord drives along. When I grew up, this is the version of this from the King James that I learned. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. See, but this one in the other version says that it's the enemy coming in like the flood. This one says he will come like a pent up flood. I learned from one of our engineers that that a cubic foot of water weighs 62.4 pounds. One, one foot box weighs 62.4 pounds. So when the Lord comes in like a pent up flood, Pastor Matt's pool, the water in his pool weighs about 83,000 pounds. Figured that out all by myself. 83,000 pounds, 41 and a half tons. That's just a pool. Nobody would say that that's a pent up flood. How weighty is it when God starts rushing in to move in your life? How weighty, how powerful is that? You know, Brent Vincent, Pastor Brent is in a place called Aceh right now. Isn't it cool when our missionaries are going on missionary trips? Taking disciples. They are in a place called Aceh. On December 25th of 2010, there was a tsunami that hit Aceh. Some people think it was... 30 to 40 feet tall, traveling at 500 miles an hour. Weighing 62.4 pounds per cubic foot of water. Is there anything on this planet that can stand up to that? Is there any force that could even hope to withstand that kind of thing? See, but his tsunami is his pent-up fire, his pent-up glory, his pent-up weightiness for those who will just listen and honor him. This is the God that we are serving that will turn many people from sin. In verse 7 of Malachi, as we close, for the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge. Man, I don't even have time to talk to you about the total of the seven things that we've been covering and what they look like for the priests. But the lips of the priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction. Because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. Do you know what happens when you get this right? Do you know what happens when you're listening rightly, and you have set to honor his name, and put the weightiness of his name rightly? You are guarding the knowledge that he gives you. You're fighting for it. You are seeking instruction. The word here in the Hebrew has an attitude with it. Somebody say attitude. The word has an attitude with it that says, I'm going to expect and demand to get this result. See, you're a messenger of the Lord Almighty. When you have been seeking instruction from your mouth, you can do that because it has the weightiness of the heavens behind it. A messenger of God. You don't start being a messenger unless you start first listening to Shema, His voice. You've got to set your heart on the weightiness of what he puts. Let me say that differently in closing. You've got to make his desires the most weighty topic in your life. If he's told you to work on something in your family, he didn't mean to add that to the list and get to it when you can. 
and as often as you can. That means throw away your stupid list and do exactly what he said. There is nothing else. No, but you don't understand. We've got, no, you have nothing else. Because no good thing will he withhold from those who are dedicated to him like this. He will not withhold it. You just have to trust him. You need to have the weightiness of his words on your lips, church. You need to have the weightiness of his spirit lighting your path. You need to have the weightiness of the agreement of the heavens of word and spirit to guide you in what you do. Come on, you got to get your heart right today. You got to find the right kind of weight gain into your life. Shed the other things, shed the other weight, the sin that so easily entangles those little burdens that you've got. Put it off to the side. Let it burn up in the fire of his presence. Find and feel the weight of what he's doing inside of you. His desire is to keep his covenant with you. But he keeps the covenant with those who fear him. Not who say they fear him. Not who say they honor him. But those who fear the Lord. God's desire is to rush in like a pent up tsunami into your situation. His desire is to honor those who honor him above all else. Stand to your feet with me. Mighty God, we come before you right now. Asking, Lord, that you transfer the weight of your holiness to this room right now. Lord, no longer can we just say that we have honor for your name, God, if we're not feeling the weightiness of your presence. Let us feel the weightiness of who you are today, right now, God. We are listening. We are setting and inclining our ear and our heart to you, Lord. Lord, may the people in this room set their heart to honor you. No matter the cost, no matter the price, no matter the burden, no matter the difficulty, that we will honor you, that we will trust you, Lord, that we will trust you above all else. Lord, would you put within us this fear that we might rightly respond to you today? Will you put within us the right weightiness that we need? Lord, we need this kind of weight upon us. We need it to rest and settle on our shoulders. Forgive us when you're trying to put it there and we want to shake it off like it's a bad thing. Lord, we need the weightiness of your great name upon us. May your glory, may your honor, may your name and renown be the desire of our heart today. Help us, mighty God, to have the right weightiness. That the weightiness of our words, that the weightiness of our lives would so reflect you, Lord. That like a tsunami, like a pent-up flood, you will rush in and crush any adversity, any enemy that we are facing. Lord, that we would be carried to the heights because of your spirit. Help us, mighty one.